Welcome to the Child Care Business Podcast, brought to you by ProCare Solutions. This podcast is all about giving childcare, preschool, daycare, after school, and other early education professionals a fun and upbeat way to learn about strategies and inspiration you can use to thrive. You'll hear from a variety of childcare thought leaders, including educators, owners, and industry experts on ways to innovate to meet the needs of the children you serve. From practical tips for managing operations to uplifting stories of transformation and triumph, this podcast will be chock full of insights you can use to fully realize the potential of your childcare business. Let's jump in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Child Care Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Gwaldney, and it's good to have you with us today. I want to welcome our guest, John Farguson, and John is here to talk to us about payment processing and how electronic payments can benefit you and your customers. The reason why this is important is because today's parents really have specific requests and expectations for making tuition payments to their children's child care centers. You know, we hear this all the time at ProCare. They want to use their tuition payments to accrue credit card rewards, get miles, and they want to set things up in a way that's automatic and set it and forget it. So as a business owner, we also recognize that you've got to take care of yourself and your bottom line by having the absolute best digital payment processing practices possible. You've got to put those in place. And that includes making sure that you're getting your payments securely and on time and not being saddled with debt and late payments from parents who pay late or maybe not at all. So we have five questions to kind of set the table and and get the conversation going today. So we're gonna jump right in. I do wanna introduce my colleague, John Farguson, the manager of our payments trainings. And, And look, I can't think of somebody more qualified to lead this conversation than John. He's been with ProCare for many, many years. And he's been involved in every aspect of interacting with our customers. Specifically, he's been an expert uh, for us internally on how we position and how we talk about digital payments. So I'm excited to give John an opportunity to um, to share his expertise. John, good morning. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and I should say Ryan's been here longer than I have. Yeah, that this is true. I think combined, if we shared how many years of experience we have, we date ourselves. So we won't do that. But John, let's start here. Um, let's start by talking about the payment options that you know parents have for how they pay tuition. And maybe let's just start with the basics. Can you talk about the traditional forms of payments, maybe quickly some pros and cons, and then maybe introduce when we talk about digital payments, what do we mean by digital payments and what are the different options that providers have in that area? Yeah, you know, for those of us who have been around this industry for a while, and many on this call have been uh, with this a lot longer than I have, I'm sure. Uh, we've seen things change over the years, for sure. And, and um, you know, for for traditional purposes, you know, it was always a cash check. And, and I'd probably add money order into that mix as well. But they were always, you know, manual payments that parents were walking in with and dropping off into a lockbox or, uh, you know, handing to staff. So they were physical forms of payments that that had to be collected and then manually posted. And then someone, if not multiple people, were making bank trips to, to send those payments into the bank. Um, as we you know, fast forward a bit, now we're enjoying electronic options today um, with, you know, with some cash and check and money orders still built into the mix. But um, today we're looking more for ACH transactions, which are electronic bank to bank transactions. 
um, as well as debit and credit card transactions as well. And those take many forms. So some of those are still walk-in type scenarios, uh, but oftentimes those electronic payments take the form of an online transaction, or maybe it's an automated transaction that is kind of a, like you said, Ryan, a set it and forget it routine. Um, but we've definitely seen a shift uh, toward digital payments. And, and with that comes, you know, a lot of efficiency and accuracy. And, and so we, we try to, to, kind of move away or gravitate away from those more labor-intensive, administrative-intensive types of payments into those payment options that uh, are a lot more efficient for us. Yeah, I like that, John. And I so, so talk about this then. Talk about how parents' expectations for how they pay their tuition has changed over the years. I mean, we've seen this firsthand as we've worked with our customers, you know, child care owners across the country, in terms of what we hear from them. And we know that millennials are the largest group of parents right now. And, and I actually saw this recently, a statistic that said almost half of them have never written a check. I, you know, you and I both have kids in their young 20s. So they're even, you know, younger than that millennial demographic. And, and I can tell you, both of my kids scratch their head like, you know, what's a check? So we don't see this changing. Um, but most of us do auto pay for our other bills. So I guess it, it does make sense that millennials are seeking these options. What does that mean for child care providers in, in terms of payment processing when we talk about how to meet their parents where they are? Yeah, and I think you you kind of nailed the reality that we're in today. Uh, I, I remember in high school taking a class where I learned how to write checks. Um, I, don't, I don't think we have that class anymore. Um, today, you know, our millennial families are maybe they're using their watch to make their payments or their phone. Um, at the very least, they're wanting to make their payments electronically. And again, like you pointed out, you know, people are not going digging through their purse or looking to their, their pocket to pull out their checkbook today. Um, and many don't even own a checkbook. I, I've talked to many centers over the years who have, have kind of acknowledged that they have families in their center that have a checkbook just to pay them. And so... Um, the reality is that that our, our families are getting younger, it seems, every year. They're expecting to be able to pay electronically because that's what they do everywhere else when they're going to the grocery store or the coffee shop or um, really anywhere um, that they're spending money. They're doing that with cards, most likely, and, and maybe even an electronic bank draft from their account. But today, parents are not reaching for a checkbook traditionally when they're making payments. Yeah, and, and I know that with that being said, then, John, you know, maybe just to get the elephant in the room out there is when we talk about digital payments, you know, one of the trade-offs or one of the things that people talk about is with electronic payments come fees. As a business owner, as a merchant, if I'm going to accept that type of a payment, uh, you know, I'm going to be charged fees. Can you talk about how those fees work? And, you know, ultimately also maybe talk, talk about how an electronic type payment is going to provide extra security for a provider and why those fees would make sense for them to pay in light of that. Sure. And I think I'll, I'll start with a little bit of context or additional context here. Um, we talked about kind of how long I've been with ProCare, uh, but uh, much of that time I've also spent as a member of the board at a preschool here locally at my church. And so... Um, I always like to share just from personal experience, kind of how our center went through this transition, because all of these things were very real for our center as well. 
Um, and this was about 10 or 11 years ago where our center went from 25 years of cash and check payments to accepting electronic transactions. And I bring this up because it kind of adds to that historical perspective, or I guess maybe maybe the today perspective. Um, 10 years ago, our parents were already asking to use cards. Our parents were already telling our director that we were the only one they ever wrote a check to. So this is not really that new. We were experiencing this a decade ago, but today, you know, it's just intensified with the the more um, more highly expected abilities to pay electronically. Um, so, so processing fees were a, a significant part of how we uh, strategized this transition because we knew going in that this was going to generate a new business expense for us that we never had before. And so, so those were the things we were were kicking around as a leadership team, and in how best to present this to our families in a way that would make it, um, you know, digestible for them as well. So the the transaction fees for cards are different than bank accounts. With cards, there's a percentage that's applied to each transaction, and many of of you on this call probably have experienced this. Um, it's, it's set initially by the bank and, and card companies. So they set kind of a baseline for what those transaction fees are going to be. Um, it, it's different by industry. So if any of you have experience outside of childcare, you'll know that childcare kind of has a discounted rate based on the industry that we're in, um, versus retail establishments versus, you know, trucking companies and things like that. So we have a preferred rate because of the industry that we're a part of, um, and then from a security perspective, and that's one of the big values, I think, with cards and why a lot of businesses prefer to use cards is that there are some protections built in from a, from a business perspective um, where, uh, you know, if there's a failed transaction uh, or, or maybe better yet, if there's a, a chargeback scenario where a customer has decided that they don't want to pay the payment that was already made, um, you know, if you pay with a check, as a as a check holder or an account holder, you can notify your bank at any point. You know, with within reason, or there's a you know run out period here. But you can notify your bank that you would like to stop payment on that check. And if that was to happen, then the check the the bank is going to go and just pull that money back from you as a business. And they're not asking questions; they're just saying we're we're taking this money back. With a card transaction, it's different, and there's a, a, a chargeback process that it goes through. In that case. The bank is coming and asking questions. They will initially take that money back, but now they're asking for some uh, proof or validation that that money was actually owed. In our industry, that means that uh, you had the opportunity. You know, maybe this was a, a withdrawal scenario, and the parent didn't give two weeks as expected, and so now the the bank is going to be coming and asking for some proof that that payment was owed. Where now we could talk about our our withdrawal policy, and here are some attendance records that show that the child was in attendance up to this point. And so oftentimes the the payment actually does get fulfilled. Um, and then you have the ability to, or I guess the the reality of you know PCI compliance. If any of you have ever heard that expression, it's it's payment card industry compliance. But that's another security measure that the the credit card industry um, audits. Uh, and because of you know the integration in our case with Tuition Express and Procare, you have a PCI compliant environment um, to ensure that security as well. Yeah, and I and I think I've heard you talk a lot too, John, about you know you've got the benefits of security. Obviously, I think that applies for both the the center as well as the parent. We mentioned it earlier how you know a digital payment is going to protect that financial information for you know the parents as well. 
I, I want to talk a little bit about best practices, but before we get there, I do want to ask you, in addition to the security, I also hear you talk a lot on the payment side of, of ProCare about the benefits of just automation and reconciling my accounting records and streamlining even my human capital in terms of not paying staff to do things by hand. Can you just speak quickly to those types of practical benefits as well when we start talking about digital payments versus cash and check? Yeah. And in fact, with with our center, this might have been kind of one of the biggest priorities for us. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of centers will move toward electronic payments because they're really trying to um, solve for bad debt scenarios or late payment scenarios. Uh, in our case, it was really a matter of creating efficiency and and ensuring that payments are posted accurately. You know, when we're taking cash and check and money order payments, every time they're going to have to manually be posted into the parent ledger cards, which means that there's the the propensity for error to happen. Maybe it gets posted to the wrong ledger or, you know, with the case of a cash payment, maybe it doesn't even make it onto the right family. Maybe, maybe it gets put in a drawer and forgotten about. And then you come back to it later and wonder, well, who gave me this money? I can't even remember. Um, so, you know, advantage electronic payments, of course, in that case, because they're uh, likely to be posted directly into a family ledger card when the payment is made. Uh, so, so increasing accuracy by reducing the amount of human, you know, touching of these payments. Um, and then from a, from a efficiency perspective, now we're, we're also cutting out the time to collect payments and then to have to then manually post. And, and again, like I mentioned earlier, I think oftentimes there are multiple people involved in this process. So it might be a teacher, or administrator that has to, you know, upfront collect that payment, then they are handed off to a bookkeeper or accountant or whoever's in charge of the finances to then record. And then maybe somebody still is responsible for actually driving those to the bank in that case. So there's just a lot of people time tied up into those cash and check and money order payments. Yeah, they're, they're labor intensive. And so, you know, maybe, you know, as we kind of in this first segment here, John, just walking back through, you know, some of the items we've already discussed. We know families who are bringing their children to childcare are demanding or requiring or at least strongly requesting that they can pay their tuition electronically like they do for everything else. We know that those forms of payment provide more security for them and for the schools. And we also know that, you know, a digital payment streamlines an operation. You know, we hear a lot right now about staffing challenges in the industry. And, you know, this is an area where we can remove human touch points and just automate the business, put processes in place that are really going to streamline the business to allow us to spend our energy and time, you know, with the kids and with, with families. So with all of that being said, how does a school then approach best practices with implementing payments. We, you know, we have about, you know, three minutes here, but can you just talk about from your perspective, best practices that we see across the industry on how to offer these options, but build it in a way that it doesn't impact the bottom line of the business? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the most important aspects of creating a, a positive, you know, a solid plan around this type of a, of a transition um, for our center, again, we knew going in, this was going to generate a new business expense for us that we never had before. Um, and different centers approach this in different ways. You know, there are some centers in, in terms of processing fees, um, they recognize the value of card transactions. They know that, you know, hey, if I'm taking cards, I know I'm more likely to get paid. 
uh, versus you know, waiting for checks to come in that, that could wind up failing. And then in that case, it's often that the bank doesn't even notify you for a week or two. So now you've provided services where you weren't paid and now you got to go back to the parent and try to collect not only the payment that was missed, but now the next payment may be due as well. So um, it, there's real value in having those payments settled quickly. And that's a reality with, with those electronic transactions. Um, so that said, there are some centers that that decide that, you know what, we're just going to absorb those fees because we know we're going to get paid. And so it's worth it for us to do that. Then there are other centers that prefer to pass the fees along to their parents as a, as a business expense. And, and there are a couple of ways of doing that. One way is to actually uh, ask the parents to pay an extra fee at the time of the payment. Um, so on the one hand, that can ensure that that you are you know essentially breaking even on those processing fees that it's being passed to the parents. But on the other hand, by doing it that way, it can actually be counterproductive um, in that, you know, the goal is to, to implement these electronic payment options and gain the efficiency and, and all of that. Uh, but by putting a fee in front of it, now you're creating a barrier that is going to drive parents likely back to cash and check days <laughs> where we're really trying to move away from that. So what I found, um, this is actually what we did with our center was we found a way to build these fees into our tuition. And um, it, being a realist, you know that it may not always be something you can do immediately. But in our case, because that's how we did it, we, we rolled this stuff out to our families late in the school year. We had already published our rates for the new school year. We were taking enrollment. We could not change our rates at that point. So for us, it was a priority to implement these things right away. So we did allow parents to begin paying electronically, but we planned for our next rate increase that we were going to include a slight bump to offset processing fees. Um, and, and in our case, it was a 2% increase just across the board as part of a larger increase. I think it was like 5% that year. Um, and that's not the number. That was our number. So I'm using that as our example. But we were we were over um, what we needed in that case. But we just wanted to be conservative and make sure that we were accommodating every bit of those fees. So um, I've always suggested that building those fees in through a 1% or a 2% addition to tuition is the cleanest way to do this. It makes it simple on the center and that you don't have to have different discussions with families based on how they pay. It's just, here's your tuition, pay however you want. Uh, simplifies things for parents as well in that when they get their statement from us at the end of the year or monthly, if they have a flexible spending account that they're you know seeking reimbursement for, well, at that point, everything that they've paid to us is tuition. So everything that they've paid to us is deductible for them as a parent as well versus having you know line item surcharge or processing fees that may not be deductible expenses. Um, so that's kind of the big picture on best practice. Some centers might also look to other fees, um, such as their annual enrollment fee or supply fees and things like that, that maybe they can nudge slightly to generate some additional revenue through those types of sources. Uh, but ultimately, if you're able to build fees into existing um, existing fee structures, that's the cleanest, simplest, best way to do this long term. Yeah, and I think, you know, John, I, I love the way that you describe that because I think, you know, what I took away from it, what I know I've heard you say and our teams have said so much over the years is the key is that you have a strategy. I think that's one of the reasons why we want to present this type of topic in our in our conferences and continue the narrative and the conversation is we recognize that it it when you move from checks and cash, that there's some additional considerations to factor in. But what we have found and what I heard you just say is if you're a school and you're you're starting to navigate this conversation and this decision, thinking through a strategy that makes sure that it, it works for your parent, 
that it meets them where they are, but also you look at the business and understand, like you said, with the school that you're, you know, a part of, you know, to make sure that you're taking care of the business as well. And, and parents will understand and appreciate the fact that, look, the best thing you can do to be available for them is to be available to them. And the best way to do that is to build a sustainable business and allow yourself to operate in a way that it makes sense for you as well. And so, um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. John, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate you being on the show and sharing your expertise. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Child Care Business Podcast. To get more insights on ways to succeed in your child care business, make sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if you want even more child care business tips, tricks, and strategies, head over to our resource center at ProCareSoftware.com. Until next time. Thank you.